warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! The Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Baby sister, I was born game and I intend to go out that way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 113 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. Now, how's it going, man? It's been a long time since we recorded. God, it has been a long time, hasn't it? A bunch of stuff has happened. We had a Bone Battle gaming tournament right here in Redmond. That's we, exciting. We had Valentine's Day. Now, how did Valentine's Day treat you? I know you're a fairly romantic gentleman. Uh, Valen what? Yeah, what? I, I don't know. You didn't get your romance on? You know, Valentine's Day is, is just not generally celebrated too wildly around these parts. It's just another day. I, I don't know. I have trouble with these romantic holidays, I guess. But you've made the point of you, you will often make the effort to do nice things for your wife. And you, oh, yeah, you've yeah, even yeah, said, hey, like Valentine's I don't Day need an kind of amateur day. I, if, you're, <laughs> if you're not doing it the other 364 days. Right, right. But you've got that day. You know, it's another excuse to be nice to the one you love. Yeah, and you're right. You should always take the, the initiative. You should always take the excuse to be nice to the one you love. So that didn't work out for you, huh? No, I, I can't say that it was a roaring success, no. You know, you know, some people fall back on, like, their own holidays. Like, for instance... The often touted Steak and BJ Day, which I've never really been able to swing, to be honest. You swing a mean steak. I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, I can make steak night happen. Let's put it that way. <laughs> One out of the two, you can make out. I've never really been able to uh, to make that holiday work for me either. I I don't know. I've, I've even tried inventing my own. Really? You know, oh, alternative to steak and, and BJ Day. Okay, what what might that be? It's chili and anal day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also, laugh. Also, not a roaring success. <laughs> I imagine you like 
your wife comes home after a hard day at work, knocks on the door, and you're standing there in your most fetching silk boxers holding a big crusty pot of chili. Honey, it's your lucky night. <laughs> it's just a can of Hormel, and I shake it. Click, click, click. There's a, like an old dented spoon in the top of the can. <laughs> Warming it up over a candle. <laughs> like a junkie. <laughs> I was thinking like a hobo, but sure, we can go junkie. I was hoping, you know, it's more inclusive than your steak and BJ day. Your yeah. vegetarians would be able yeah, to Yeah, you can have vegetarian. Tofu, chili, uh, I think. Tofu, they, chili. Yeah. At first, I thought that those two things kind of went together. Maybe. <laughs> you see, well, that, that's something to consider because, you know, you don't really think about if the steak is going to have a negative effect on the BJ. But in this case, it may take a different approach. <laughs> I guess it just all depends on how rapid your metabolism is. <laughs> oh, so for chili and anal day, you don't like start with chili at breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> like three meals of chili? No, I was thinking more of a simultaneous. Okay. Of... <laughs> Even better. So kind of like Costanza with the sandwich. Yes. Okay. Yes. That, I see where in you're the going. spirit of Costanza, <laughs> chili and anal day. Oh my god, dude! I <laughs> are we recording this? Uh, so let's let's have a show, why don't we? <laughs> sure, okay. So uh, music. Uh, this episode, of course, opening the show was the mighty bone battle theme from our good friend Skiznot. As we uh, jump right into the bone battle, now that took place the gaming tournament on February twenty second at Games and Gizmos in Redmond. We had a five-game tournament. A whole bunch of gamers showed up to uh, try their hand at five different games. Actually, we ended up only playing four games competitively because the Pathfinder uh, Adventure Card Game is a collaborative game, and so we couldn't figure out a way to make it so that there was a winner. Oh, so what did you guys do? Like, have so a we, fist fight at the end? No, we, we did won? a demo round of it so we could see how it played. And that was a lot of fun. But then we score actually scored the other four games that we played for the Bone Bat tickets. And uh, at the end of the day, Keegan W. was the winner. Go Keegan. By a couple of points. He totally kicked ass. And uh, we had a great time. So, of course, once again, Skiznot's Bone Bat theme kicked things off. The rest of the episode on the gaming theme, I have some new music from an outfit called the String Arcade. Uh, they are a Bay Area joint that does string versions of video game classics so you're listening to something now you're going to hear a few as we go through the show and then towards the end of the show i'm going to have a couple of surprises from some friends so it'll be pretty awesome i hope you dig it i hope i dig it too i think you will before we get into what pisses us off why don't we do a quick update on where we are at with the bone bat film festival gord okay let's let's do that because I just watched a, a short tonight that just about made me puke and cry and laugh at the same time. And <laughs> only in the best way for all three of those actions. Very nice, yeah. As you probably know, uh, recording this on March 4th, and uh, March 1st was our deadline. And we have just been deluged with shorts. We have about 154 shorts that have been submitted to this year's festival. So considering that we'll maybe fit 20 
to 25 in, that's pretty epic. I have to give a big round of applause to the filmmakers around the world who are taking part this year. Uh, Still, and, it is better odds than uh, chili and anal. The interesting thing is this year, I think we cast even a wider net. We have shorts literally from everywhere you can think of, which is yeah, really all over cool. The place. I think some people have actually invented their own countries just to send films from them. Yeah, we never had very many shorts from Asia, shorts from Russia, shorts from India before. We're getting shorts from all over, and it's going to make just for a very rich experience on April 26th, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't want to get all we are the world, uber liberal, let's hold hands and sing kumbaya here, but different countries, different cultures do have different takes on uh, on films and on comedy and on horror, and it's pretty cool to see them. I, I'm digging it. But no matter where you're from, getting your balls ripped off is always funny. <laughs> That's not funny at all. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> My mistake. Anyway. Oh, you got to straighten that out before you have a real problem. <laughs> We've also got uh, about a dozen features from different corners of the world, too. And uh, that's a little harder to narrow down this year. Uh, We're really having to work hard to make sure that we get the very best features for you guys. But it is going to happen. We've got some cool stuff lined up, and they're super excited about it. Additionally, our artwork, Nick Gucker, once again has jumped in and rendered a glorious piece of work for our poster and t-shirt. Currently, it is being colored. By the time this airs, we might have finished art. So really excited about that. I'm going to be looking forward to getting those posters out there. Uh, Tickets are on sale now for folks who uh, missed the original Kickstarter window. You can go to the Bone Bat Film Festival homepage and order your tickets. They're 30 bucks a piece right there. Again, the uh, enormous packages no longer available. You had to do Can't that through them. Kickstarter. Nope, you missed out. That's right. And uh, t-shirts and all that stuff. We will have t-shirts to sell at the fest, but right now the only thing we're selling on the site is tickets for 30 bucks a pop. That said, keep in mind all the fantastic stuff you're going to see. Shorts from around the world, two features, live music from Beefy and acoustic set from Kirby Crackle, you're going to have a wonderful time at this year's fest. Word. Movies, uh, booze, burgers, foods. Yeah, it's all uh, there. It is. Uh, <laughs> it sounded like I got hit in the head when I was saying that, which I did, but I don't want to sound like How long are you going to keep milking that concussion thing, man? It's not, it's not like, a concussion anymore. It's like PCS. A, it was like a year ago. I mean, come it, on. Was, uh, it was more than a year ago. Let's see. The next thing that uh, we'll be doing... We still need a couple of logos from a few sponsors, particularly the Kickstarter sponsors. So you're going to be hearing from us shortly because we need that for our posters. And then we will go to print on that. Uh, What else? Getting T-shirts printed. That's going to be a a next step here. And uh, again, the theater's already locked in. Uh, Features are getting there. So uh, all the pieces are coming together. I will do a Kickstarter video within the next couple of weeks, probably after the art is a release so that we can present that. Also, Beefy owes us a horror tune, does he not? I believe he does. So maybe we can introduce that on a Kickstarter update as well. So Kickstarter folks, we have not forgot about you. We've just been super busy, had our head down, doing the homework so that we can make the best festival ever for your viewing enjoyment. So dude. Dude. What pisses you off this week? You know what pisses me off, Steve? Have you heard about Amazon's anticipatory shipping? I don't know what that means, but it's kind of frightens me. 
Yeah, well, they the deal is Amazon is now supposedly putting in place the black magic and network to know what you want to order before you even order it, and then they pre-position the order, the goods, if you will, near to your abode. So by the time you click that order button, it's already been on its way to you. So how would that work? I mean, has it been taking algorithms over the, all these years or records of like how many times you click or read on something or the amount of time from when you read something to when you click to extrapolate when you're going to order? Or how does that work? I think it must be something like that. Like what is I mean, the like For me, it would be fairly easy in some realms where you go oh, the next Horace Heresy book is coming out. Gordon doesn't shut up about that on the Bone Bat show. So <laughs> we're already going to have it buzzing towards him. Uh, you order filters for your air filter or your pool filter or something every six months. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pick up on those patterns. But there's other things, man. And, and Amazon doesn't always get it right, especially if you order gifts for other people or you have other people in your life that co-opt your Amazon Prime account and, and <laughs> yeah, well. like I do. Look, Amazon, what I'm saying here is a lot of people buy stuff on my account and you occasionally get things really, really wrong, as we have discussed on the show before. <laughs> and I don't want to see the, the anal bead wagon circling my block. <laughs> Wait a minute. The driver leaning out the window and luring at my house because your algorithm is messed up. That's okay, what I'm so saying. wait, wait, so, wait, though. Hold up there. So what you're saying is that you're getting the anal bead ads because of somebody else who's using your Prime account? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't I you just pulled out the most potentially embarrassing Wouldn't you just, like, throw yourself in front of the bus on that <laughs> one? I'm sure that that's something you can buy on Amazon, <laughs> but it probably is. This is a very brown episode so it far. It certainly is. You know, I was going to go with something else because I saw the most ridiculous thing today on a on a nerdy site that I go to, nerdcore.de. It's a German site. Anyway, someone had discovered that one of the things one could purchase on Amazon, at least in Europe, was replicas of various animals' peni in a um, home massaging form. And so you can get the Moby Dick, you can get the, like, Howler Monkey, whatever. What on earth is wrong with people? There must be a market for it. Somebody in Germany is buying this stuff. I don't know if they got a collection. Oh, wow. But now, see, I've seen that article, and I don't want that van driving around my neighborhood anticipating that I'm going to click, because I'm not going to click. I don't really get that. I mean, yeah, right now I'm seeing a lot of ads for, like, season three of Game of Thrones on Blu-ray because I bought the other two from them. So sure. that that makes sense. But I don't. there's nothing else that I buy regularly. So I think it would be really hard to figure out what I'm going to order next. And I do tend to, like, I'll look at the site, and there, there are times when I'll, like, put something in, a, in my gift basket or whatever on my wish list and i'll, I'll let it sit list, there sure. for six months before i actually get around to deciding that i want to buy it 
If it's See, a book, you're going to have the Amazon guy dancing around in your front yard like he needs to go to the bathroom with a pair of headphones or whatever it is that you research. Come on, Steve, 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 come on, Steve, Steve. I don't see. Well, why wouldn't they just send the drone? That's next. <laughs> and you're going to hear that whistling as the drone comes towards your house, and you think, hey, I haven't even ordered yet. Crash right through the window. There it is. So you're pissed at Amazon. That's That's pretty much it? It's my anticipatory pissing. Off. Yes, <laughs> you'll be pissed off as soon as they do this to you. I'm anticipating being pissed off. Okay, yes. that that's certainly fair. I prepositioned my wrath for once <laughs> they do this. It'll be right I there see. next to Amazon. It can just go right in the door. You know what pisses me off? What Steve? is when shit breaks? Yeah, I'm at, then you got to buy a new one on Amazon. I'm at the bone battle, and sure. my Tascam portable recorder, it's doing okay. I do a couple of interviews. And uh, I hit the record light. I look down. The red ring or the green ring is glowing. It means that we're ready to record. I set it up. And we do our entire prize giveaway. And I look down and everything is looking great. And uh, I go over and I interview Keegan, the winner of the bone battle. Look down. Light looks good. I uh, get to the end of the interview. I look at and like I try to shut off the recorder and it won't stop recording. And I look at it, and it turns out it's frozen. So I lost the interview with our champion and the entire prize giveaway. And I don't know if it's the battery pack or what it is, but that totally pisses me off when you count on a piece of hardware, you're actually using it during an event, and it takes a shit on you. That is really annoying. The Brown episode continues. I was totally frustrated. So I'm sorry, Keegan, your interview will not be on this show. He's the champion, man. He deserves better. He deserves he does, better but from I'm us. I'm sorry. That's just that's just how it goes. Well, maybe we can make it up to him at the film festival. He's got tickets now. You could interview him there. I'm going to be watching the movie. Huh? We could. You could interview him there. I'm tired of interviewing every. You Have interview you heard me. Interview people. It you is a interview train somebody for once. God damn it. I'll interview you. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we listen to a tune? Yeah, let's do it. From the String Arcade. Now, actually, why don't we play a little game? We'll see if you can guess what tune this is. All right.
this is Steve from the Bone Bat Show here at Bone Battle 2 2014. Joining me now, Steve Perry himself, cosplay from Death Star. Dude, thank you so much for coming to our gaming tournament. Thank you for having a gaming tournament. These were actually, this was populated with all games I had not played before. So. Now, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, My hope is to have uh, something where there's a different style of gaming for everybody. If you're not good at a dice game, you might be good at a strategy game. So I'm glad to hear that you had a good time. I did. I did. Honestly, I enjoyed every game that I played here. I have played the original Sero versus Sero of the Sea, but I never played the Sea, and the Kaiju mixed that up nicely. How do you like that random? Oh God, it's random so acts of dragonhood. It is. It's so stressful because you're like, oh man, I could just kill myself with the roll, <laughs> which is so different because normally in regular Sero, there's like, I'm gonna hang back and try to avoid people, and now I'm gonna strike. Right. Yeah. And 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 with this, you're just randomly sort of like, okay, I've got my strategy going. Oh, now my path is blocked by a giant creature. I'm hoping. So, uh, did you have a favorite game? It's hard to pick a favorite because, like you said, you actually gave us a good variety of games. Titan's Tactics, honestly, because I've never played a tactics game I could get done in that quick of a time and enjoy it and feel like I played a strategy game. Yeah. Versus, like, I, you know, I just finished Dungeon Roll. That's a fun game, but I knew it would be. Yeah. Like, it's a nice, fast, dice back-and-forth game. And I'm kind of dumb. So, so the Duke reminds me of how bad I am at th games that require nothing but strategy and intelligence. Yeah. Because then I'm just host. Right. Like, as long as there's a bit of luck, maybe that'll help me. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that Titan's Tactics is so deep with the different factions, and you're only using half a faction at a time. Yeah. There's a lot of replayability oh there, and God. the price for 25 bucks. Is it only $25? It's a, that's a great price oh, for that that's game. That's so correct for the game price. Yeah. No, the million a lot of games with that much content you'll pay 50 60 70 bucks easy i was i was prepared for it to be a minimum 40. i was prepared to pay 40. i'll let you have it for 25 is what i'm saying yeah. oh okay. well, you're, you're a good man you're philanthropic uh, yeah i'm pretty cool that way kind of but no uh this was fantastic i got to play with a bunch of different people uh, i got to meet the creator of titan tactics which doesn't have doesn't hurt no. Yeah, raising the roof silently in the background. Nice. But yeah, that's super cool because I love I love I love homebrew board games. I love them so much. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the things I thought was neat about this iteration of the Bone Battle was that we got to feature games from so many local designers yes. and creators. Yes. And that's cool to be able to do because yeah. it does feel homegrown. And uh, it, Games and Gizmos is a good place to do it because it's easy yes. to section things off and they have a ton of table room. Yeah. And to most stores. these guys have been supporters of our film festivals since we started, so we're thrilled to be able they to might, do an event. They here. might have thrown a little money Death Star's way today <laughs> here and there. There might be a little bit of support from the, this wonderful, wonderful gaming retailer here in Redmond. But no, this was fantastic. It makes me want to buy all of the games. I honestly want to purchase every game that I've played today. So I, I guess it's a negative thing because now I'm going to go home about $100 to $150 for <laughs> Well, but we still have we've still got the game drawing coming yeah, up. Yeah, unless so. I win something. You're gonna win something. Look at that I, pile of what's swag. What's the most expensive one? Well, it's Pathfinder. But which is yeah. the most, uh, um, beside that, no, actually, because Duke can't. How, how, I don't know how much the Duke. Is. I, I'm not sure either. I, it can't be that much. Forty. I don't think I don't think anything other than Pathfinder on that list breaks the fifty dollar uh, price point on so, your, your thing. So well done as well to make it. A thank you. Well, I'm, thanks again for coming, man. I really yeah. appreciate you joining us.
And we're back. Once again, thanks to Cosplay from Death Star for the Bone Battle interview. He uh, gave us his opinions of the proceedings, and that was awfully cool. Always a pleasure to speak to him. So, dude, Especially did you, when the mic is working. Did you have a guess as to the music? Is it Legend of Zelda? Why, yes, it is. Good job, man. Why, thank you. Wait so, a minute. You, did, you looked at the show notes, didn't you? Like I could read. <laughs> Yes, Legend of Zelda from the See? String Arcade, the brand new self-titled CD and digital download. It was released in 2014. Uh, just tell you a little bit about the band. The String Arcade is the brainchild of San Francisco Bay Area composer Dren McDonald and Jason Poss from L.A., who worked on the Lord of the Rings film trilogy, The Amazing Spider-Man, and uh, World of Warcraft. He's done music for that as well. They basically do recordings of classic video game music, reimagined, rearranged, and remixed for the string quartet. This eclectic track list spans decades of video game history, from stand-up arcade classics through the 8- and 16-bit eras to the golden age of 90s adventures, and even more recent hits, indie favorites, and social games. To further the goal of raising money and awareness for children's music education, several tracks were chosen from games popular amongst kids, including Portal 2, The Legend of Zelda, and Plants vs. Zombies. This crowdfunded album sells for $9.99 as a digital download from Louder, iTunes, and other channels. In addition, Bandcamp offers an $11.99 CD version and free streaming. All profits are donated to the Alameda Music Project, a tuition-free after-school program that provides intensive classical music instruction to underserved children in grades kindergarten through fifth. You can learn more about The String Arcade at thestringarcade.com. So the music, it's for a good cause. I like music for a good cause. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I dig the arrangements that they've put together. They're fun versions of the games. I like how they've kind of chopped them up. They're not straightforward. You'll hear little bits that you recognize. I always enjoy that. It's I mean, like that was, a Grateful Dead show. Well, that was one of the things that I liked about Super Guitar Bros. Is that, like, you know, there are songs that you've heard, but you haven't heard them in a long time. And then it comes back and you like you have that sense memory of, oh, wow, I totally remember this part of the game. Yeah, that's cool. Well, on that note, why don't we listen to another tune? Let's see if you can guess what this one is, since I didn't write down what game it's from in the show notes. Uh-oh. All right. Check this out. One more tune from the String Arcade. Thank you. 
once again, this is Steve, and uh, joining me now, Evan, Manager of Games and Gizmos. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you today? Very well. Thank you so much again for hosting our humble little tournament at your fine establishment. Yeah, absolutely. It was a ton of fun. It was great to play games with people, and there was a lot of good energy there. Now, tell, tell folks, our listeners, who may not have been in here, a little bit about Games and Gizmos. Sure. Uh, Games and Gizmos has been in the area for over 20 years. It actually started out as the retail location for WizKids. Those are the guys who do a lot of the different uh, miniature war games out there, like the, the Star Trek Attack Wing game, things like that. But WizKids, as they got more and more into the production side of things, decided to let go of their physical locations, and they started selling them off to private buyers. A company purchased Games and Gizmos. They had four locations around the area, and slowly but surely, each one got sold off to private owners, and I am third in the line of lucky owners, <laughs> uh, private individuals who own this place. This is the last Games and Gizmos in the Redmond area, but we hope to be around for a long, long time. Good. Well, it's always busy whenever I come in here, which is awesome. Now, in addition to Bone Battle, I mean, that's just one thing every once in a while. You guys have steady games going here all the time. Yes, we do. Uh, just about every day of the week, we have a different game going on in the store. We have a really big, thriving wargaming community. Uh, card games, specifically Magic the Gathering, is really big in the store. We've got role-playing nights here. We try and serve basically any game that gets you at a table with other people. I've seen Pathfinder Society in here a lot, too. Yes, yeah. Fridays and Saturdays, we've got Pathfinder Society here in the store. Uh, the Pathfinder folks told me that we have the biggest Pathfinder Society group in the country. I don't know how accurate that is, but <laughs> I like to brag about it. Well, i got to say, man, a couple of the folks from the Pathfinder Society helped us out on the first bone battle and made it for one of the highlights, I thought, of that particular tournament. Yeah, and I think a few of them were stopping by for the, the second one this time as well. They got really excited when they saw the, the Pathfinder card game being offered as one of the prizes in one of the games. Yeah, you can't complain when every single attendee walks away with a full board game. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Our sponsors really stepped up. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. I want to give a special shout-out to Kelly with Titan Tactics, him stepping in to, to be here personally to help run the games here in the store. It's been fantastic. He's got a great game, and he is pounding the pavement to make sure that people get a chance to play it. So that's been really neat. Well, and a game that is so complicated, there was no way we could have ran that as smoothly without his, without his assistance. And, I mean, we actually finished on time. We were done. We handed out, like, the last board game at 527. So everything worked like a charm this time. You gotta appreciate a photo finish, and yeah, having having him there to to help with some of the more advanced roles for that game, it, it kind of straddles that boundary between board game and uh, and war game, so it can get complicated at times. Absolutely. Now the other three games that we had, uh, just to run through them, the Duke from Catalyst Labs, that was a really fun strategy game. A lot of people like that because the the variability of the move set. You know, you're used to chess, and then this is kind of a big departure from that. It is a big departure, but it's it's a very intelligent departure from it. Anybody who's played chess picks up the Duke instantly. The real thing that I've liked about the Duke are all of the little expansion packs he puts out, and they're all themed expansion packs. Like, there's a Ron Howard expansion pack with, you know, kind of like epic barbarians and heroes. Robert Howard. I don't think you Ron mean Howard. Richie Lord. Cunningham. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean, yeah. Robert, the Robert Howard expansion pack with, like, the epic barbarians and things like that is really cool. He's got the Three Musketeers pack. and Robin Hood, too, right? Uh, yeah, the Robin Hood pack, and I think there's some sword and sorcery stuff coming out pretty soon for it as well. So, more in the future. Nice. Uh, dungeon Roll, of course. Now, that was kind of a little bit of a Kickstarter darling. It really took off, and that was where I first found out about that game, and there was definitely some fun being had playing that game this weekend. 
Dungeon Roll is a blast. I actually didn't hear about it till after the Kickstarter had finished, so we missed it by that much trying to get in on the Kickstarter. But they went in through regular distribution, which means that we can carry it in the store, which has been great. Never in my life have I seen a game uh, like Dungeon Roll that gets the table talk and trash talking going as hard as that game does. <laughs> it really helps that you've got each player playing as the dungeon for the next player in line. So you have the person playing the dungeon because it's a gambling game. It's a risk game. you got the, the player playing the dungeon saying, go on, take one more miss, risk, take one more roll of the dice. Oh, yeah, great. the go. Coding is yeah, amazing that's, that's in that game. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And then finally, Sorrow of the Seas. Now, this was one that you actually suggested as we were looking for a fifth game, and that was a really good selection. I like how it took the gameplay of the first Sorrow and then added this crazy random element to it with the kaiju. Yes, yeah, the, the kaiju, the giant dragons and bats and demons that are flying around in the ocean and who knows which direction they're going to go. They really change gameplay. When people ask me about Suro, I tell them that imagine the reverse of, uh, of the light cycle game from Tron. That's like the, <laughs> the basic way to describe it, where you want to be on the rails that other people are leaving as opposed to you want to avoid the rails. But uh, adding those monsters in there that eat up the wake paths that the ships leave and change the board every round, it is, it's very dynamic and I think that it, it breathes a lot of new life into the, the Suro game, which is a fun, very easy game. You add the Of the Seas component, you add those kaiju floating around, and suddenly it's, it is a, a big risk-taker game, which is cool. Yeah, it, it's, it, we, we actually had to come up with a house rule. On the first round, we, we had the, the kaiju were slumbering. Because the first time I played with my wife, the very first roll to six, Kaiju landed right on her first round game over. So <laughs> we thought there's prizes on the line. We've got some things, you know, in contention here. We want people to play for a minute. So we kept the Kaiju sleeping the first time, and that worked like a charm. Yeah, it really did work well. I think there's definitely some, some strategy elements to, to trying to keep away from the Kaiju on turn one uh, as the game gets started. But depending on where they randomly end up, you could, you could end up always one move away from the Kaiju and then one bad roll of the dice and that's it for you. So yeah, having having them stop turn one so players can get kind of the lay of the land, figure out what direction they wanted to move, I think that was a good move. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for all your support over the years. Uh, of course, the, you guys have always supported us with the film festival. We really appreciate that. And allowing us to keep the bone battle going here has been an absolute treat. So thank you very much, Evan. Absolutely, Steve. Bone Battle is a lot of fun. I'm glad that we get to do it here in the store, and I'm really looking forward to the film festival. My wife is excited to see what we're going to watch this year. <laughs> She's a big fan of Buck Wild, wasn't she? She really is. She's still waiting to see if she can get her hands on that movie. We haven't now, found it yet. That just released on iTunes about two oh, weeks ago, man, so just so you yet. know, just so you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, for our buddies down in Texas. Yeah, excellent. We'll have to get that downloaded. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again, and take care. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. All right, uh, right there, we, of course, had our interview with Evan from Games and Gizmos. Thank you again, Evan, so much for your support and for making a home for the Bone Battle Gaming Tournament. Awesome fun. So, dude, could you guess that tune? I guess that tune. It is Plants vs. Zombies. Very nice. They call it uh, Grass Walk by the String Arcade, taken from the self-titled release from Plants vs. Zombies. Good job, man. Thank you, man. I'm telling you, you have an impressive memory for music. I've got an impressive lot of stuff. You, you tend to remember a lot of stuff. But do you have an impressive mind for politics this week? No, but I'll try. <laughs> okay. What do you got, buddy? All right, here's the deal. As we're recording this show, the Ukrainian-Russian conflict is still in its infancy. And I hope that uh, by the time people listen to this show that they'll just sort of raise their eyebrows derisively and say conflict, not a shot was fired. 
right now, as we're recording this, the Russians have taken control of Crimea whilst swearing up and down, pinky finger swearing, that it's not really Russian soldiers that have done it, but merely uniformed and very well-organized Russian-speaking people that are mere Crimean patriots out to protect the Russian people there from oppression, which nobody's seen any uh, evidence of. So I was going to do a silly little political rant bagging on the LGBT community, since we've been such good friends of that community on the show for so long. I think that uh, I can bash on them for irritating me. But we got this Ukrainian thing. And since I am not afraid to state my opinion, only to be proven wrong later on, as I do with a lot of (laughs) politics and stock picks, mind you, this is the way I see it playing out. Russia takes Crimea and helps it set itself up as its own independent country or province, what have you, uh, independent from the greater Ukraine. And with Russian muscle backing it, Ukraine, the rest of Europe, nobody's going to really challenge them. And it's going to become its own state. It will be controlled, however, by the country of Russia. So it'll be a Russian puppet? It'll be a Russian puppet. Okay. Indeed. What is the problem with the Crimeans in the Ukraine? Well, the, Can you give any background to that? I don't know that there's ever been a real problem between Crimea and the rest of the Ukraine, only that there's a lot of people in Crimea that speak Russian. They're used to uh, a Russian culture. They've got a Russian military base right there. They get a lot of uh, support, and they identify with Russia. It's always been a strategic place for Russia, and so I think they like each other. It's a love fest. And the Ukraine overall has been little more than a kleptocracy, so it's not like they're missing out by not being part of the greater Ukraine. Kleptocracy, so it's a stolen government? No, well, I mean, it's a government by people who can steal the most. (laughs) International aid comes in, it gets put in the pockets of the folks in charge. It doesn't get pumped back out to, to make the country a better place overall. Do you know how the borders were decided for Ukraine when the Great Russian breakup occurred? You know what? I honestly don't. I don't know how they were decided. I don't know if it's the same Ukraine that was given to Russia back in the day or Mm. if uh, the borders are redrawn after the fact. But I think that Russia is most interested in the Crimea. And so what they're going to do is they're going to take that, turn it into their own puppet And they can use that as a tool to go after the rest of the Ukraine as they see fit while keeping their own hands politically clean. So if they decide that they want more of the Ukraine or they just want to control that too, they can just use Crimea. They won't have to use Russian uniforms, Russian uh, people. They don't have to get their own hands dirty. That's kind of how I see it playing out. I mean, they, they like to set up a friendly government someplace and then defend that government. That's what they tried to do in Afghanistan. That's what they did in Georgia. That's uh, that's the way they like to roll. Hmm. Okay. So, I don't know how it's going to play out. Hopefully, there will be a minimum of bloodshed because this is, you know, real people. It's really people's lives that could be tragically and majorly affected by this whole thing. I hope it, I hope it simmers down and that uh, it works out the best for everyone. But, man, that Putin... He is smart, he is ruthless, he is tough, and he don't give a fuck. And that is my political rant. All right, man. I got to admit, 
I've read a couple of articles, but I don't feel like I have a handle at all at what's going on over there. Hence all of my questions. You know, it's been one of those places that I've always been aware of vaguely. You know, Georgia is the breadbasket and the Ukraine is where they got the nukes and where they got the tech. Right. And Irkutsk. You basically know, like, from <laughs> risk. That's that's where you're getting your picture. Like of... My understanding of world politics is based entirely on the board game risk. Yes. <laughs> like and a... I always overcommit to Kamchatka. I don't know why. <laughs> Kamchatka. Well said. All right, dude. Well, why don't we listen to another tune? All right, let's do it. Let's keep the game rolling. You let me know what you think this one is. Once again, we are back, and joining me now on the show from Imbalanced Games is Kelly Toyama, the creator of Titans Tactics. How you doing, man? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you again so much for your support of Bone Battle. It was great having you there 
to present Titans tactics. I think a lot of people really dug that game. And a few people even bought copies, which was pretty cool. It was definitely one of the highlights, I thought, of this year's Bone Battle. Well, it was great to be out and great to see uh, fans come out. I mean, we just recently released, and our policy has always been sort of one gamer at a time introducing the game, and the Bone Battle was a great opportunity for us to do that. Yeah, that's one of the things I think is fun about putting together this type of event. One of the people who attended said, I had not played any of these games before. And I, I took that as kind of a badge of honor. That was cool to be able to put in front of people just some fresh new stuff, and especially so many game designers who are local. That was a really exciting part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see everybody come out and try new things. I mean, I think with board games especially, it's really hard. It's not from an established name or, you know, there's not word of mouth on it. It's hard to figure out what you want to play or what you want to try. And a lot of the MSRPs are so high nowadays. It's nice to have events like that where you can go up, come out, try some games, see what you like, and hopefully find a new favorite game. And everybody who attended walked away with the game, so that was also a nice bonus. Yeah, it's always cool to have prize support and a little bit of competition if the gamer fired up. Absolutely. So tell me, how did you get the idea for Titans Tactics? Well, you have to know a little bit about myself. I've been a war tactical gamer for my whole life. I grew up playing Risk. I played Warhammer. I played War Machine. I played the Clicks Mech Warrior game. I played Battletech. I love that kind of customization, kind of tactical, moving around a board kind of game. I got into Magic when it first came out, and it scratched that itch a little bit, but just doesn't quite have that tactical feel. And then a lot of games that do have that tactical feel just take the whole afternoon to play. And as I've gotten older, I just don't have the time to do that. I wanted a game that I could fit, you know, in and in a lunch break, um, play, you know, sort of after school style, just kind of <laughs> throw a game together. The kind of game that magic fits, but just with a bit more of that tactical edge. Right. Now, just for people who maybe aren't as hardcore of a gamer, when you say tactical, what do you mean? It's like chess. So chess has this kind of beautiful, your position on the board matters. You're, how you're sort of moving your units as a squad, sort of pseudo war game feel to it. But I wanted it to be a little less cerebral than, say, chess. So Titan Tactics is filled with ninjas and wizards and dragons <laughs> and things to kind of pump that fantasy aspect and have it be a little more, uh, I hate to say nerdy, but more mainstream and more just kind of filled with that, that sort of fantastical aspect than sort of a more abstract game like chess. Right, and, and anybody who, you know, is into comics or gaming will recognize the feel of a lot of the characters that you've got and a lot of the heroes right. that will battle, which makes it fun. Because you're, you're kind of jumping into something you sort of know, but it's a fresh new twist on it. And, and that's what we were going for. I mean, everyone here at Imbalance Games is gamers ourselves, so we really try to make a game for us, and we hope that everybody else likes it as much as we do. So Titans Tactics, you start out, you have a choice between five different factions to get you on right. your way. Each faction's got six heroes, and you pick only three of those heroes at a time. So already there's a lot of variation in how you can just set up your game when you're picking what you're going to fight against your opponents. Right. I mean, and that's one of the things we're going for. I've played a whole ton of board games that, like, once you've played it once, you've kind of played every variant that that game is going to give you. I wanted a lot of variety. I really like, you know, that sort of semi-deck building aspect and being able to suit different play styles. Maybe you want to play defensive, maybe you want to play really heavy offense, maybe you want to play a range game. 
um, and we hope that the different factions offer you that sort of different feel, whether you're the kind of gamer who likes to, you know, do the same strategy every time and see how you can sort of apply your tool set depending on what your opponent brings, or if you want to try something new every day, I think Titans offer something for you both. Definitely agree with that. And then with each of your heroes, each hero has three different attacks, so more variation there. And when you start getting into lingering effects, there's all kinds of different ways you can approach the game. I found when, you know, when I played it at home and was messing around with it, it was quite a bit different than the game when I was actually playing at Bone Battle, and I got smoked by Mike. And uh, I didn't even see, like, some of the lingering effects stuff coming. And that was what did me in. And so I love the fact that there's lots of new approaches. The next time I play, I can come up with a different way to look at it. I have nephews who are big fans of the game, and they're all about, hey, maybe I can try this team next time. That sense of anticipation of, oh, I want to pull one over on my opponent when I try this combo out is really one of the main fields that we were going for. (laughs) Yeah, and you definitely get that, I think. That's one of the wonderful parts of Titans Tactics. So, Kelly, what is next for Imbalanced? I mean, you said that this this game was just released recently. Right. It came out um, in mid-November, so we've only been out a couple months now. So we have two things sort of in the hopper. We do want to release an expansion for Titans Tactics, um, which is already sort of in playtesting. As you can imagine, with a game with all kinds of moving pieces like that, there's a lot of playtesting involved. So our playtesting engine, as it were, is already geared up for that. Also, we have another game in development that's codenamed Swords right now. I don't know what it's going to eventually end up being, but we wanted to create something that's a little bit more of a party game feel. Titans is much more a one-on-one, hardcore, you and your friend, you and your roommate, you and your wife kind of battling game where we wanted something more for the board game night where you have, you know, four to six players and you have a bunch of people who want to have a, a bit more casual, fun experience. That's where the market we're hoping to target with swords fantastic well i look forward to whatever you've got next because uh titan's tactics in my opinion is a hit awesome thank you so much thanks for having us out and you know spreading the word absolutely now our listeners who aren't lucky enough to live within driving distance of games and gizmos where can they find titan's tactics so we actually have um four main distributors so in theory you should be able to go to your local game store and get them to order from alliance or gts or um, PhD or Southern Game and Hobby. All those are distributors, but we're also available online on Amazon if that's easier for people. I always encourage people to go out and support their local game store if at all possible. That's what sort of keeps the lifeblood flowing. But I totally understand that some people don't have a local game store or can't get to one, and um, we're up on Amazon, and uh, you can order it just like anything else. So you hear that, folks? Ask for it loud and often. (laughs) We would definitely appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you again, Kelly, both for your support and joining us at Bone Battle and for joining us on the show. Uh, Thank you very much. It was was an honor to be out there, and hopefully um, we'll be out there for Bone Battle 3, maybe with an expansion. That sounds fantastic. I look forward to it. Thanks so much. And there you go, our final interview from Bone Battle 2014. That was Kelly from Imbalanced Games and Titans Tactics joining us for a few minutes to talk about that game. Thank you again, Kelly, for your support and for joining us on the show. Thanks, Kelly. So, dude, did you recognize that tune at all? Xevious. No. Donkey Kong Jr. No. Ms. Pac-Man. No, PC game, man. You're thinking totally wrong. You know, though, 
Bumper pool. If you can't guess what game that was from, it may be it's because you fight like a cow. What are you talking about? Secret of Monkey Island, man! I never played that game. How did you not play that? It's the funnest game ever. By not playing it. That's how I did not play it. I played it. like four of them. You even interviewed one of their designers I at Comic-Con. Comic-Con. You're a terrible, horrible human being. I am a bad person. I think we've established that. <laughs> yes, so that tune was the Scab Cemetery slash International House of Mojo themes from Secret of Monkey Island 2 from the String Arcade. Very cool stuff. That's the kind of, like I was talking about, a deep video game cut that I remembered immediately. I was like, oh, where's that from? Where's that from? And I did save the hardest for last. So I don't fault you too much. That was that was a... <laughs> don't you... The you don't equivalent, fault me too much for a, a game I never played. That's, that was equivalent of a deep album. I blame you for not playing those games because you, okay. would, you would have loved them. They're fun. Especially I a guy who likes humor in his gaming. I do. That I was like right up your alley. everything. Matter of fact, but when they released them for Xbox 360, I thought you got them for your kids. Because no, we I did talked not. about that. Ah, oh, no. That's too bad, man. Well, do that. Catch up on that. No, I'm not going to because you told me to. Freaking jerk. <laughs> uh, multimedia <laughs> triage. Multimedia, I have. You must so have a lot of time since you're not playing cool video games to uh, <laughs> but I enjoy cool multimedia. I have been playing some cool video games, despite what you may think. Because on the Xbox right now, for a cost of nothing, World of Tanks, finally they put that on a platform that I use. <laughs> and it's fun, man. So is that the March free game for Xbox Gold? No, it's the just it's the world of tanks. Hey, have it. It's free. What is the March free game for Xbox Gold? Do you know? One is Dungeon Defenders, and another one is Chili and Anal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Connect game. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like that Kitchen Mama cooking game, but it gets real dark <laughs> real fast. I don't know what the other one is. No, World of Tanks, you can get it for free. You can spend money if you like. You don't have to if you want to camouflage your tank. Or, and this is the, the one thing that's not cool about it, you get, get the better ammunition so you can blow up your opponent's tanks faster if you spend money. But most people, I think, don't. So they're just out there rocking and rolling, and it's, it's fairly even. Uh, if you've not played World of Tanks on the PC, then... Check it out on the on the Xbox. If you are intimidated by getting into a game that's already been out and afraid that everyone else has the better tanks and the better guns and you're just going to spawn, die, spawn, die. No. You start out with a Tier 1 tank, and if you only want to fight Tier 1 battles, you'll only have to fight those low-level tanks. Don't be scared. If you want to keep rising up through the ranks, earning silver for your battles, upgrading your tanks, upgrading to better tanks, you can... The fine folks at Wargaming.net have been adding maps. They've added a second battle type. It's still not nearly as deep and as full as the PC version of World of Tanks. But uh, it's pretty cool. You've got light tanks, medium tanks, tank destroyers, heavy tanks, and artillery. So no matter what your speed is, get in the kind of thing you like to drive, get out there and shoot them up. Nice. Hey, a uh, question for you. How yeah. do you feel about navigating the tanks with the 
controller that has much fewer buttons than a PC keyboard. Makes absolute sense to me. It totally works. Your left stick drives the tank. Your right stick moves the turret. Cool. What else do you need to do? It's fine. Uh, But as far as like when you, because you go through a lot of menus, assigning, upgrading, doing things like that. Is that intuitive on the the Xbox controller? But you're doing that in your garage. You're never really doing that in the heat of battle. Right, of course. So, no, it's it's fine on the Xbox controller. Cool. Now, if you're really big in World of Tanks on the PC and you get into the Xbox version, it may seem dumbed down to you. But I'm having fun. But you haven't had that problem, and you've played both. Personally, I am dumbed down, so it works for me. <laughs> you are the dumbed down version. I like that. I am, yeah. Okay. I am a tier one gourd. <laughs> Uh, And the other game I've been putting in a little bit more time than I'd like to admit is on my Android phone. It's a game called Hoplite. And it's a single-person game where you are... It's a top-down... I guess you could call it a turn-based tactical where you are a Hoplite warrior and it's a dungeon crawler. You're you're fighting little demons trying to get to the next level, the next level, until you get down to a low enough level to retrieve the Golden Fleece. Is it? And as you go down, you can upgrade your guy with various little powers. It is a great little game, and on the Android, it costs absolutely nothing. I believe it's available on iTunes if you've got an iDevice for $4,968. <laughs> it's top-down? It is top-down, yeah. Like Bolo, you asshole? <laughs> like Bolo, you asshole, yes. But it is turn-based. It does not uh, continuously drive your 6-bit tank around. <laughs> gotcha. 6-bit? Did I say that? 8-bit. <laughs> yeah, so those are the games I've been playing. What have you been playing? You know, I, I miss video games. I gotta say. You give me crap about not playing games. And nah, it turns out it's you're not true, playing dude. Since my Xbox in the office red-ringed, I haven't played shit. And it's like, oh, do I really want to go in and... And say, hey, honey, I need you to give me the TV for two hours while I sit on the floor and game. I got really spoiled by being able to play my gaming in the office. Like sitting in a nice comfy chair with a monitor in front of me. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't like it because there's uh, there's stuff I want to play. I want to go back and play. There's like three uh, different DLC things for Mass Effect 3 that I haven't downloaded yet. And it's like, I totally want to do that stuff. I hear it's awesome, but uh, yeah, I, I right now I can't. I feel like I can't game. It sucks. Well, just go back to the old days where you thumb wrestle your wife for the television. Yeah, I know, but you know. All right. You get spoiled. It's it's like remember how we didn't used to think it was a pain in the ass to go to the video store and rent a video and walk around and pick a, a tape up. Oh, this one's gone. Some asshole took the tape out of the case and it's not here, so we can't get this one. So we got to pick something else. Yeah, that, leave the house? No, I don't that. Do that seemed great, and now we you'd never even think of it. I'm too lazy to freaking pick dicks, discs <laughs> from Netflix. That's how bad it is. You're too lazy to pick dicks. That is lazy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too lazy to go down to the interstate rest stop anymore. Oh, God. You just have to have your dicks delivered by Amazon with their anticipatory dicking. <laughs> anticipatory dicking. That's their new thing. <laughs> See, they preposition a dick that they think you're going to want. Oh, my God. And before you even know you want it, it's been delivered. 
Don't sit down fast. <laughs> oh, it's been delivered. Oh, <laughs> I Darn you, Amazon! <laughs> I ordered that for Tony. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. But what I have been doing is watching some shows. Dude got totally caught up on Vikings just in time for the release of season two on the History Channel. I so gotta you're say, now ahead of me. I dig that show. It's a cool show. It's a great fucking show. A cool show. I feel like you undersold it. Because I, I remember, was very, I was very let down by the ending of season one. You told me you were like, "Oh yeah, this is the 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 sum total of knowledge about Vikings I learned from you." Oh yeah, the bartender and grabbers is in Vikings. That's all I heard from you. You watch the entire series. We have a podcast where we talk about the shit we watch all the time. That was the sum total I learned from you. What? So I felt, wow, it must not have been very good. No, here's the thing. We do this show, yes. But you go on and on and on about the Nordic lands when it comes to their music. I felt like I couldn't give any more press to the territory of Vikings that it would be, you know, just just too much. Really? So because of my love of Swedish death metal, yeah, you short shrifted the series. This is what no, you're saying. No, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I say, might have mumbled something about to it. To you, I think sir, I, said, hey, I say. I'm watching Vikings, and you're like, oh, you know what else is cool from up where it's really cold is when they take the black metal and they mix it with the, the other Satan metal, with, and then they make a black Satan metal. You don't even like Thor movies. I mean, what is wrong with you? You have an anti-Norse slant. I'm going to say it right there. I'm throwing it I, out there. I, I guess I, yeah, I, you've outed me. <laughs> I don't anyway, like the Minnesota Vikings either. Deal with it. Vikings, I think, is a really cool show. I really, It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, which I know that's not huge praise. But, you know, I, I tried to dip my toe in a couple other historical series like Copper, which I didn't really like at all. Klondike or whatever, the series that was just on recently, it was like a three-part thing, was watchable, but in the end, it just was hollow. Uh, but Vikings, I really dig. I think it's a cool show. It does have a feeling like it's it's a very small cast, and it's it's sort of like a ship in a bottle compared to something like Game of Thrones with a cast of thousands. <laughs> yeah. But it's still a really cool show, and I'm really yeah, it's enjoying it. It's a fun it. show, no doubt. But here's the thing that kind of irked me about Viking Season 1. Okay. The way the first episode of Season 1 opened, it's like this flash forward, that they never, ever, ever reference again for the rest of the season. And then the, the end of the season, it's almost like at the last minute they went, oh, crap, we have one more episode. What can we write to make sure it's a cliffhanger and you want to have season two happen? It was almost like you could see into the writer's room for me. And <laughs> if you're going to show something at the beginning of the season, you've got to have it build up to that by the end of the season. You I, don't, just... I don't know. So, so you would have had the big showdown with the Thane Gabriel Byrne played. You would have had that in the final episode of the season. Yeah. To wrap up that arc, instead of that happening two episodes before the end of the season and then having two episodes of setup for season two. Absolutely. Okay. I, I see where you're going with that. Because the setup, you haven't seen the first episode of season two, I take it? I have seen nothing of season two yet. That is a direct jumping off from the episode Ragnar spent uh, negotiating with that other king. Yeah. 
So that was totally a springboard for what we just saw, this huge battle which kicks off the season, which was really cool. All right. So are you taping it at least? Oh, yeah. I intend on watching okay, it, but cool. I've been watching Helix, and uh, I've been reading books, and I saw a few movies outside of the film festival world. I, my media empire is large. <laughs> Well, I did see one other movie this week. The fine folks at Scream Factory were kind enough to send the film Witchboard. Do you remember this one? No. From 1986, the year we graduated high school, starring Tawny Katane and an Ouija board. Oh. <laughs> now, if you thought that Tawny Katane was hot in Bachelor Party. Yes. Tom Hanks' fiance. Mm-hmm. Shower scene in Witchboard, my friend. Woohoo! That is way better than a shower scene with Tom Hanks. Not too bad. It is a great big squeeze can of 80s cheese, this film. I mean, it's got goofy dialogue and bad hair and tight jeans and just a certain squirreliness about it, but there's... It's not bad hair. It's just big hair. Yeah. The film looks fantastic, though, as far as the Blu-ray version of it. Like they have a, there's a number of scenes where like, you know, they're wandering through backlit fog and it looks just like just glorious horror film, classic stuff. Really nice. Story's basically about this woman that played by Tawny Katane, her and her boyfriend are having this cocktail party and an old friend comes by who's had a falling out with the boyfriend and he brings over an Ouija board. They mess around with it during the party and they speak to the spirit of the child called david who supposedly is a 10 year old spirit well it turns out things aren't what they seem and they never are a vengeful spirit starts wreaking havoc upon the neighborhood couple of really cool kills it's funny because i had already written that down before we had that conversation today (laughs) a death by sheetrock how often do you see that not outside of the roof of you don't <laughs> see i've never Not outside seen of the rebuilding industry. i've never seen death by sheetrock and in a horror film and right there we just saw it uh, honestly so, i've wanted to see that in a lot of those reality shows that uh, show on my television from time to time but no no i've never seen death by sheetrock sundial impalement Ooh. not too shabby and uh some pretty nice quality axe foo axe foo yeah so I'd say which board definitely check it out. It's a fun flick. Uh, rent it or uh, pick up the Scream Factory DVD. The extras are just ridiculous. It's got both a contemporary making of as well as a vintage making of done around the time that the film was made. It's got a ton of extra rushes and takes and deleted scenes and all kinds of stuff that you've never seen before. Trailers, uh, photo gallery just all kinds of stuff it's packed to the gills and in the the dvd you get both dvd version and blu-ray in the same package so very cool stuff continues to come out of scream factory they also sent uh which i will review next time i didn't have time to watch it with all the film festival stuff going on night of the demons you will have a hell of a time so i will be reviewing that on the next show thank you to scream factory all right you know what i saw what's that this is going to make you so upset. I saw RoboCop. <laughs> How was it? I loved it. It was great. What? It was, yep. It was it great. Was, it was great. They took a great movie, a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed, a movie that was 
a little bit ahead of its time. It was it was a little subversive. It was subversive when subversive was it was subversive for humor when subversive for humor was still uh, not something you did when it came to things like foreign policy. So it was funny at the time, but I don't know that it would have a straight remake of that movie would have been nearly as subversive or funny done today. It was a good movie. It was a sad movie, just like the original RoboCop was. Even though I knew the story, they changed it up a little bit. I didn't feel like anything was lacking. I thought the things they added were great. It was also subversive. The the things we worry about now, the things that we joke about bleakly were in it. And uh, damn, it was a fun movie. I liked it a lot. And the I don't know who the director is or what else he's done, but there were a few moments, there were a few scenes in there that were shot so well. As a guy who appreciates film direction, you would would appreciate some of the scenes in this movie where you, you kind of want to go back and watch it again just for the way it was shot. It was a wonderful movie. I, huh, I think well, you I'll see have Robo to check Pop. it out. Yeah, I, I kind of was just lackluster, but how was the uh, skinny, junky detective from The Killing as RoboCop? How did he pull it off? He did very well. He was a tragic character. I liked him a lot. Huh, cool. Yeah, yeah. again, uh, the same uh, kind of things when we were talking about the Total Recall remake, a lot of those same factors is what I felt like. It, it seemed like it was had the humor taken out of it and, and was going to be ve- a very serious take on a film that was both a violent science fiction film but also had a lot of black humor to it. Yeah, when RoboCop, the first one, came out, when it came to foreign policy, the country was divided between outraged liberals and smirking conservatives. Right. And that's changed. Hell, it's almost like flipped completely on his head now. And so you can't do the same kind of uh, humor that you did in it. But the humor that's in it now is a little bit more subtle. And you, you still you laugh with a, with a knowing smirk at the humor in, in this movie. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I, I don't want for these things to fail. They just often let me down. So if it, it really is a good movie, uh, I'm glad for that. Yeah, I know you were you were very uh, unimpressed with the idea of one of your your favorite movies from your youth being remade, and I, I totally get that. Yeah, and I think I, they did a lot better job than they did with uh, Total Recall. There, there are a lot of films like that that I would feel that way about. If somebody came and said, "Hey, they're making a a remake of Return of the Living Dead." <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, oh, really? Yeah, you this, you can't see it, but I just gave the microphone like this squinty frown. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, there are films from our collective youth, because it was a collective youth. We saw mm-hmm. a bunch of shit together that, uh, you know, I just... But, you know, they can't take away the old version. You'll always have that. So no matter... You won't, though. There's nothing you do making a remake that's going to sully the original film. Were you telling me, though, that you, you kind of, like, you like to keep the, the one version in your head, and if you see the new version, you're afraid it kind of mixes it up with the yeah, old version? Yeah, we were talking about that with regards to uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah. That it's like there are certain scenes now, like I used to remember Gollum in the cave and doing the riddles. I had my own imagination version of that. And then you see it on the screen... And sometimes, like, if I picture that scene mentally, I picture now the movie version instead of my imagination's version, and I don't know that that's a great thing. 
I have two totally different compartments. I still have them both. You have two brains? Yes. You see, the man with two brains, the Steve Martin film, when I think of that. They can remake that, just for the cat juggling scene. (laughs) When I think of that, no, it's going to be different. I don't know. (laughs) You know, the other movie I saw, which I was very reluctant to see, I only went because I was trying to be a good dad, was the Lego movie. Yeah? I loved it. I did not realize... (laughs) that this movie was stop-motion animation. I guess I just assumed it was all computer animation. And I know, for me, stop-motion animation, I'm just in the bag for it. You could show me any stop-motion animation, and I'm going to like it. It's like it's like my Star Wars for you. Like, anything Star Wars you love. The Funny story, my parents, when we were in high school, my parents had that big, dumb, black poodle, Kukla, Oh, God, I hated that dog. Stupid, terrible dog. And at one point, we went out to go run. And it was with, like in that first two weeks before school started. So we were like doing double days. You'd go out and run in the morning and run again in the evening. And I was supposed to let the dog out, left the dog in the house. And the dog took a dump on the floor. And you, I don't know what you're doing. You're like taking off your shoes on the front porch or something. I came in. I saw the turd. I put a Star Wars logo on it. You came in the house and you actually watched the turd for two hours and said it was great. <laughs> so, Fuck you. you. Know, that's, that's your Star Wars. Really? That was like a three-minute setup to bag on me. What the shit? I didn't <laughs> yeah. deserve that. Oh, my God. That so dog, what was it man. About? Oh, yeah, Lego movie. So it's stop-motion animation, which is great. And the folks that made it made it with... A lot of creativity, a lot of love. It's straightforward. It's not deep. It doesn't work on two levels. It's just something that a bunch of people that played with Legos made a Lego movie, and it's still fucking fun, and you should watch it. How is uh, Chris Pratt from uh, Parks and Recreations in it, right? I don't know. Like the main guy's voice, the guy who is, uh, wakes up in the morning and is going about his day. That's oh, the, is that him? Yeah, I don't know. So. I don't watch Parks and Recreation, oh, okay. so... He's also the main guy in the uh, film Guardians of the Galaxy, which... uh, Oh, yeah. See, I didn't see that movie either. No, because it's not out yet. But you saw the trailer and you pissed and moaned about it. Oh, God. That piece of... Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? Why did you say that looked good? That looks so I didn't. I said it looked better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was... I was not pleased. I thought, in my mind, the Guardians of the Galaxy is a completely different group of heroes from Marvel. And the, the new reboot guys that they're making this movie. But the film, if they do it as quirky and comedic as it looks, it may work. The scene where he was flipping off the sensor machine, I thought that was kind of funny. It was funny in that they pixelated his middle finger, I guess. Yeah, that was I was amused. And, you know, Rocket Raccoon may be awesome shooting people. But they, they like, took away his cockney accent. Even the stuff they couldn't stand behind... The world, the conceit that they've set up. And that bugs me. It's just like compromise, 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 compromise. So it looked better than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to be shitty. I don't know. You thought it was going to be shitty anyway? I didn't really have much of an opinion about it. And it looked vaguely crappy, but I didn't give it any thought. And then I saw the preview and went, wow, that looks terrible. Yeah. Well, so what do you think of uh, Captain America Winter Soldier? You've seen the trailer for that? Do you think that's going to be any uh, good? The trailer looks like fun. Okay. Yeah. I I, I want to watch that. I want to watch that a lot more than that uh, 
Thor piece of garbage. The Dark Frontier, whatever it was. <laughs> I like that movie. I bought it on DVD. Oh, God. It's a good film. It's fun. I reviewed it here on the show. You know, know what? You know what's badass about Winter Soldier? Fucking Falcon is in it. Yeah. Is that his name? Fucking Falcon? No, just See, Falcon. Like a, a big double F logo on his chest. The guy who jumps off the back of the ship, guns a-blazing, and has wing, big metal wings open up behind him. That's the Falcon, dude. Okay. The Falcon is one of these B-list heroes from Marvel that I dig the shit out of. The Vision, Ghost Rider... I, there, there's just a bunch of them that I really like, and the Falcon is one of them. He, he used to How have. You call Ghost Rider B list when Nicholas Cage is like I said, B list. Anyway, the Falcon back in the '70s, Captain America and Falcon were like a comic team up, and there were crazy ass episodes of like where he was battling this team of villains on skateboards. The two of them, it was hilarious, crazy shit. That would interest like an eight-year-old kid. You know, back then, there was always a gang on skateboards. Yeah, I know. and uh, Just awesome stuff. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the Falcon make his fucking big screen debut. That's cool. All right, then. Oh, yeah. You know what else? What's that? I read a book. Three of them, in fact. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Over I, I read the Frankenstein trilogy by, uh, by Kuntz. Now... Coons, 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 coons. <laughs> not the Butthole Surfer song, no. <laughs> oh, sorry. If you've been reading books, you've eventually stumbled into one of this guy's books. He writes them like Stephen King does. Lots and lots and yeah. lots of them. And you probably enjoyed a couple. Maybe you read The Watchers, and, and then you read a couple more, and then you kind of got sick of them and moved on. Because the world needs more horror novels that revolve around a golden fucking retriever. But that's right, because... <laughs> Golden Retriever Horror is an untapped vein of artistic genius. You know, I'm being a little bit mean. He's a totally great, nice guy. I actually met him at a book signing party one time. Yeah, he was a wonderful human being, so I shouldn't bag on Dean Koontz. But that one book about the Golden Retriever just kind of bugged me. (laughs) You know what? I actually like that book. But hey, I was 19. Yeah, so anyway... Just because it was in a pile of books that I had in my house that I think my dad spilled out on my uh, front porch one day, I picked up book one of Frankenstein, and it was a fun, fast read. It's typical of him. It's just ridiculous over the top. And uh, what do you know? It's part of a trilogy, and I'm just about finished with the third book. Victor Frankenstein is still alive, and he's in modern-day Louisiana. And he has a golden retriever. And he's got a super-intelligent golden retriever. He goes he goes to the dog park every day to fight crime. So what else do you need? No, no actually. But you know what kills me? Is in book three, a, there is a German shepherd that shows up. It's like, hey, let's throw in a really cool dog. (laughs) And so far, the dog hasn't done anything but sort of ride around in the backseat of a car. But you know his scene is coming. You just know it. Right. It is going to be bitching. Oh, God, yeah. You're going to find out that he's a super intelligent dog. He does Chilean anal with the uh, (laughs) protagonist. Not Chilean. (laughs) Chilean anal. Oh, did I hear that wrong? That's something else. (laughs) <laughs> you can 
only do that in the Andes. It's like a high altitude thing. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? In the Andes? <laughs> <laughs> you got to go up a lot of steps to do it Chilean style. Ladies and gentlemen, the callback. Thank you. <laughs> Just to wind this thing around to back where we started. What was I even talking about? <laughs> Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Dean Arcoons. Yes, so so Frankenstein's monster is also still alive. He's been around for a couple hundred years now. He's trying to calm down. What is that he's, in dog years? <laughs> he's, he's got this super intelligent dog <laughs> that he has to do battle with Victor Frankenstein's super intelligent dog. I'm not even going to talk about this book. It's fun, but you should read it. <laughs> Where is this podcast even gone? You got you totally got me off track with this Chilean anal thing. <laughs> because my parents visited Chile and now Now you've got a picture in your I've head. Got this image in my head. Oh my god. I think I'm gonna burst something. <laughs> Alright. Well, why don't we listen to a song? I've got a little yeah, surprise for you. All right. I reached out because you mentioned that you were going to review the Lego movie on the show. I reached out to Kyle from Kirby Crackle, who is going to be playing at our film festival. And Excellent. I said, Kyle, can we play your cover of Everything is Awesome on the show? And he said, hell yes. So here it is. Everything is Awesome by Kirby Crackle. Everything is awesome.
Hi, this is Kelly Koyama, designer of Titan's Tactics from Imbalance Games, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. Once again, Kirby Crackle with the 2014 Bandcamp single, Everything is Awesome. You can get it free right now from their Bandcamp page, so why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's awesome. I like the rap. It's different. It's a different rap than the Lonely it Island It is a rap different about. rap, and it's, a, you know, it, it hits on some nerdy stuff, which is even more awesome. What is better, True Detective or Socks? I ask you. I haven't watched True Detective yet. You know what? I'm hoping that it's still all there to watch when I finally do my annual Hey, Let's Get HBO for Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. And then I can catch up on True Detective. That is my hope. Because the whole season should be there, even if it's not, you know, on cable, on HBO Go. And I'll finally get to catch up on that shit. So, looking forward to it. I've been a fan of Matthew McConaughey all the way back since Dazed and Confused. So, I'm looking forward to seeing that series. Yeah, he, I don't know, he's one of those guys that I keep seeing him in things and going... Wow, he was really good in that. I'm always surprised. Yeah, I don't know why I'm always surprised. Well, and uh, Woody Harrelson's in there, too, which, you know... Yeah. Really, since Natural Born Killers, holy shit. Yeah, he certainly turned over a new leaf with that, didn't he? Yeah, going from Cheers to that, that was mind-blowing. And occasionally, he's still, he, he shows up in good stuff. White Man Can't Jump, I loved that flick. I thought that was a fun movie. Yeah, it was. It was not a happy movie, but... No, not at all, but... He was very good in it, playing that character. He was. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing True Detective. And yet, you still haven't watched that movie I told you to watch, the Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I know, I need to, dude. It's Texas just noir. because it hasn't been streaming yet, and we don't get discs anymore. We uh, shut our discs off from Netflix. Oh, we were just doing the streaming. I've heard that about you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, thank yous. we got an extra long thank you this time. A lot of people to thank because of Bone Battle. Extra long, a lot so of I'd like to th- Isn't it true? I'd like to thank Evan from Games and Gizmos, of course, for uh, hosting us. I'd like to thank Kelly from Imbalanced Games for joining us on the show and for his support with Titans Tactics. I'd like to thank Michael from Tasty Minstrel Games for sending over the copies of Dungeon Roll. Ray from Calliope Games for his support with Surro of the Seas. Randall from Catalyst Games for several copies of The Duke, which we gave away. Jenny from Paizo for Pathfinder Adventure card game, plus a bunch of prizes for the film festival, and Cosplay and MC117 for joining us on the show, as well as Keegan W. and all the attendees who played during the Bone Battle gaming tournament itself. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting us, and I hope we can do it again next year. Finally, for the music, I'd like to thank once again Skiznot for our Bone Battle theme, Dren and Jason from the String Arcade for the killer music, Kyle from Kirby Crackle for Everything is Awesome, and I've got one more person to thank for our next two. Now, Gord. Huh, I'm that person? As we close out, what would be the perfect tabletop gaming song to play? Oh, to wait, close you said tabletop. That's a clue, right? A little bit of a clue. And we've been talking about the film festival, right? We've been talking about film festival. Is that another clue? That's another clue. Would it be Beefy Chun-Li? No. (laughs) (laughs) Beefy Tabletop. Hell to the yes. We're going to close out with Tabletop tonight from Beefy. And thus, we play both of the musical guests from the film festival in the same episode. How cool is that? (laughs) Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. We've got new content on bonehand.com all the time, including the heavy half hour occasionally when I'm 
not overworked from bone bat stuff. <laughs> and you can find my stuff such as it is at mightywombat.com. I'm on the Twitter at, what am I? Mighty underscore wombat. Got a Facebook page. You got to spell it out. Mightywombat.com. Spell that out. Dot is D-O-T. We got a Bonebat Facebook page thing, too. God, we we're do all over your Facebook. We even have a Bonebat feed on Twitter for all your festival, bone battle, and show news. And I'm Bonehand on Twitter as well, so you can find my ramblings. Find it! There. Thank you. Right, Thank you, of course, for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. And in closing, please, you already... Please spread your friend and tell a word. You already know what our closing song's going to be. Beefy with Tabletop. The ultimate tabletop gaming anthem. Once again, I am Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one, fine people. I do have a good one. That's like their game is 
giving me a funky aftertaste in my mouth. <laughs> That's my game too. <laughs> 